Great. Your home of the best pens coverage. WXDX FM, Pittsburgh. about what defensemen should sit because it looks like they're all healthy. And I think it's going to be Mata who sits. But what people are ignoring is there's not a bad decision to be made because basically the decision comes down to Mata, Peterson, and Jack Johnson. And all three of them guys are playing very well. Mata has two rings and he's looked good since his return. Pedersen has been a revelation as a rookie. And since about mid-December, Jack Johnson has been excellent. And he's really shut up his critics, and they were certainly pretty noisy at one point. So, there's no wrong decision. When there's no wrong decision, that's when you have depth. I got a poll up on Twitter, who should the Penguins scratch? And like I said, it comes down to Mata Peterson or Jack Johnson. I also got a blog up about the situation on the Mark Madden page at the X website. This is the Mark Madden Show. You drive me wild, I'll drive you crazy. 412-333-WXDX is the number to call or follow me on Twitter at Mark Madden X. We got Penguins coach Mike Sullivan in the 5 o'clock hour. We got Sean Work of NHL.com at 3.30. We got the Godfather Stan Saverin at 4.30. It's the best hockey talk in time. And I'm at Archie's on the south side to watch the game tomorrow night. Join me and Bud Light at Archie's tomorrow night for the Penguins against the Islanders. Game one of their first round Stanley Cup playoff series. Now the Islander fans have their knickers in a twist because people are picking the Penguins to win. They're playing the respect card. Yo, douchebags. Trottier, Bossy, Potvin, those guys all retired. You've won exactly one playoff series in 24 years. This is like Nashville when they made the finals against the Penguins back in 17, and they tried to invent conflict because people were picking them to lose to the defending Stanley Cup champs. The Islanders don't even really have a home rink. All those banners in the rafters are dripping with mildew. The Islanders deserve respect, and they are the higher seed, but they are not favored and they will not win. Hey, typical douchebag New Yorkers. They're probably Met fans too. I do want to address the AB situation. He is public enemy number one just about everywhere after saying on social media that Juju fumbled away the playoffs last year. And uh, AB also posted a DM he got from Juju that Juju sent to him while Juju was in college, 1-0 Liverpool over Porto in the Champions League. And Juju asked A.B. for advice. A.B. posted that like it made Juju look small, which it did not. Posting it made A.B. look small. 
But anyone who just figured out that AB is the biggest POS on the planet is late to the party. That's been horribly evident for four or five years, and you morons just didn't want to see it. The national media certainly flipped, and we will get to some of their sound bites in just a bit. Shannon Sharp has twisted himself in knots like a pretzel. And I'm going to be perfectly blunt here. For a guy like Shannon Sharp, it was okay for A.B. to put a white quarterback on blast. But now that he's turned his venom on a black receiver, it's not okay. Hey, if that's what it takes for people to see Antonio Brown as he really is, that's fine. But that is what it took. Uh, Virginia won the NCAA basketball title because a call got reversed in overtime. Possession was going to go to Texas Tech with a chance to tie the game. But replay showed the ball hit a Tech player's finger, and Virginia got the ball, and Tech never again had a chance to tie it. The Tech fans are mad because, well, they said that's not the spirit of replay. Yo, it hit dude's finger. Replay shows it hits dude's finger, and that talked, oh, it's against the spirit of replay. I think that was a Rush song, by the way. But it's not against the spirit of replay because the spirit of replay is to get the call right, and replay did. It's just the Texas Tech fans say it's against the spirit of replay when what they really mean is they're against the spirit of replay when the call goes against them. Hey, replay has taken over sports, no question. But you should have known that was going to happen the minute it got used, that it was going to be more and more and more. Replay helped get the call right, and that is all the people need to know. Anyway, it's basketball, so who really cares? Uh, Pitt Athletics have new colors and branding, even a snazzy new Panthers head logo. That's terrific. All they need now is better teams and athletes and more wins, and Pitt should be great. The Pirates got killed 10-zip by the Cubs yesterday. Kevin Newman made three errors in one inning. He would have made more, but the Cubs only hit the ball to him three times that inning. Oh, wait, that's not true. One ball was hit to Newman where he did not make an error. So perhaps Newman didn't do that bad, although that ball was an infield single. So uh, Jamison Tyon was victimized by six unearned runs and a line drive off the head. I wonder which hurt worse, but Tyon is okay. Chris Archer isn't. Archer got penalized for throwing behind Derek Dietrich a Cincinnati Sunday after Dietrich admired his home run. Archer has been suspended for five games. That basically means Archer misses one start. Hey, if Archer thinks it's necessary to observe baseball's stupid, unwritten code, then the suspension got to be worth it, right? Chris Davis of the Baltimore Orioles is now 0 for 47, dating back to last season. That sets a major league record for the longest hitless streak. What he needs to do is get traded to the National League and hit the ball to Kevin Newman. Or he needs to join the Pirates where he'd fit right in. But the Penguins are the soup du jour. So let's talk Penguins. You will get first blush if you call to talk about hockey. But that decision on defense is a tough debate, not a fun debate, because all the defensemen on the left side are playing pretty good. 
That's a really tough decision for Mike Sullivan, the coach, who joins me in the 5 o'clock hour. I bet the only decision tougher was to put Matt Murray back in in the 2017 playoffs. I also want to see how the lines shake out for game one. Today at practice, uh, it was Gensel, Crosby, and Rust, McCann, Malkin, and Hornquist, Simone, Bjorkstadt, and Kessel, Bluger, Cullen, and Wilson with Zach Aston Reese, who looks like he's ready, rotating on the fourth line. The defensive pairs went back to the more conventional Mata and Latang, Johnson and Schultz, uh, Pedersen and Gibranson, and Dumoulin and Trotman were the fourth pair. Uh, so there's some revision there up front potentially for game one. We'll talk about the pros and cons of that later and with Mike Sullivan in the 5 o'clock hour. Sully said earlier that Dumo and Zach Aston Reese are game-time decisions. This is probably going to be some ugly hockey against the Islanders, but all that matters is winning the series, survive, and advance. This is the Mark Madden Show. Uh, next segment, we're going to play some of those sound bites. the national football media, ex-players mostly, talking about Antonio Brown. And then we got Sean Work at 3.30. Get all the hockey talk you can handle right here on 105.9 The X. And now the super genius, Mark Madden. None of what you're saying is reasonable. It's laughable. Ah! You're already dumb. Let's see if you can go to dumber. The X at 105.9. I got this poll up on Twitter, uh, which defenseman should get scratched in game one. And the options are Johnson, Mata, and... Pedersen, because I think that's all that would be considered. The Penguins like the three right-handed D on that side, and obviously if Dumo can play, he's going to play. Uh, I'm getting Twitter responses like, well, dress seven defensemen. What good does that do? All it does is screw up your pairs and make your rotation clumsy. I don't think 7D is an option. It was in some of the playoff games back in the two cup years, if a defenseman was creaky, if he was playing hurt like Trevor Daly was a few times. But uh, I don't sense that's an option in this case. Okay, let's get to some of that sound about Antonio Brown because while the national football media supported A.B. in his crusade against Ben Roethlisberger, well, now that A.B. put Juju on blast, the national media has turned on Antonio Brown, and it's great. Let's check out some of these sound bites first. Here's Chris Carter on Fox. Talking about Antonio Brown. I know the legacy. And, and, and I know wide receivers throughout the years have taken care of other wide receivers. And for Juju to reach out, and when he's at USC, just trying to get better. He's just trying to enjoy the same thing that we enjoyed. When I got into pro football, there were guys, Mike Quick, Kenny Jackson. Man, they went out of their way to make sure that I understood that I had the opportunity. And even if it was me taking their role, me taking their spot on the team, which ended up happening in Philadelphia with Kenny Jackson. This is a legacy that we have in the league. From the older players to the younger players, been passed down from generation to generation, decade to decade. And to me, I'm embarrassed for A.B., I'm embarrassed that he thought he was actually doing something by putting his DM message up there. Juju, all it did, you know what it did? Juju got a lot of fans. People were like, man, this kid is all right. That's in reference to A.B. posting a DM he got from Juju when Juju was at Southern Cal. And anyway, posting a DM kind of breaks the code of privacy as well. 
Uh, that's Chris Carter on Fox, former NFL receiver. Here's Chris Canty, also on Fox, and also a former NFL player, and he's not happy with A.B. either. Uh, Juju Smith-Schuster had the ultimate mic drop when he said, you don't argue with fools from a distance. People can't tell who's who. Like, I thought that was appropriate for what happened in Antonio Brown taking an unwarranted shot at his former teammate. But if, if we're looking at this from A.B.'s perspective, I don't understand why he's still big mad about this situation. You got exactly what you wanted. You're out of Pittsburgh. You got traded to the you got Oakland, your money. You got traded to the Oakland Raiders. You got your thirty million dollars guaranteed on the contract restructure. So, what is there to be upset about? You didn't want to play with Ben Roethlisberger anymore. You didn't show up Week 17 to play for your teammates while you still had an opportunity mm -hmm. to qualify for the playoffs. So, I don't get why you're still upset. And then to take a shot at a young player who's an ascending player in our league, Juju Smith-Schuster, over 100 catches last year, 1,400 yards, going into year three. Like, there's a lot to like with Juju Smith-Schuster, and and he was. He was in a situation late in last season in that game in New Orleans, the last, the last drive of the game where he fumbled it away. You saw how sincere and how contrite he was with that mistake and how he said that he would be better. He vowed to be better. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't understand why you would, why you would take this opportunity to take a shot on a former teammate just because you want to respond to a troll on the internet because you're sensitive. Uh, by the way, in, in an article Jeremy Fowler wrote, he quoted a uh, Steelers team source as saying, Juju was in A.B.'s Pizza Hut commercials. You don't think that got to A.B.? Juju was coming up, and that became a problem for A.B., unquote. Uh, let's hear from Ryan Clark on A.B. And to be fair, Clark always told the truth about Antonio Brown, so this is not a change for Ryan Clark uh, talking on ESPN. I think he's now got to a point where we can't understand him. No matter how we try to look into Antonio Brown and say, this is who he is, this is what he's thinking, there's no way that we can actually come to a conclusion on that or find a solution as to why he is doing the things that he's doing. Other than that, he's just not a good dude. And I'll be honest, you know, people came at me for saying what I said about Antonio last season, and I would even tweet about it. I would talk to some people and say, I am still protecting him. I'm not telling you all the things I know. I'm not letting you know other people's stories. I just gave a story about me dealing with Antonio Brown. But what he's doing now is showing the world that he's different behind that sly smile. He's different behind the touchdown dances, behind the dancing with the stars antics. There's a different individual and human inside or behind that 84 that we hadn't yet seen. And now each and every day with the more money he gets, with the more attention he's get, gets, he's starting to show us who he really is. I gotta be honest, I agree with every word Ryan Clark said, but if you wanted to look and see what was there, Antonio Brown showed us what kind of person he was a long time ago. Now he's just not a stealer anymore, so y'all want to notice it, but he's been like this probably since the guy came out of his mother's womb. And then finally, here's Skip Bayless from Fox on Antonio Brown. This is another indication of Antonio Brown left his heart in Pittsburgh. Yes. He can't let Pittsburgh go. Okay. It's killing him that he's not in the middle of all things Steelers. Because mm -hmm. it's a great place to play. Yes. And one day he's going to wake up and say, what was I doing? Because clearly he left the better team behind. Mm -hmm. He's in a rebuilding mode. Mm -hmm. He left the better quarterback behind. Absolutely. And, and Juju is in the power position here because he was voted MVP. And Juju made the Pro Bowl last right. year. I mean, that's... 
That's pretty great, right? They both made the Pro Bowl, Skip, but so did Juju. I can see if A.B. had yeah. never won the award. Skip, yeah. he had won the award four times in yeah. nine years. He had just won it the year before Juju did. Mm-hmm. Well, damn, you want all the awards? <sighs> and I, I appreciated Juju going back at him one last time, but I hope this is the last time from Juju. Okay. Now he needs to let it go, too. Yes. They've done enough. But I told you, I, I've known John Gruden for a long time. He, he did not like, remember, we did this two weeks ago. Right. This, is, this wasn't the first of this. Right. And I'm sure John Gruden was not pleased the first time. Now he's got to be seething over this. Mm-hmm. But you know what? He has no out here. He's going to have to bite his lip and gnash his teeth because John Gruden is the one who gave Antonio a big new deal to yes, come to Oakland. Yep. Right? All that hard work and nobody works harder right. than Antonio Brown. He, he basically called Antonio Brown their savior. That's how it came across. It was savior tone. And because of that, you're stuck, man. Stuck. You just got to ride this one out. But but clearly, his focus is not on making the Raiders better. It's trying to make the Steelers worse. And try to make the Steelers feel bad about having let him go. That's uh, Skip Bayless on Fox. You heard Shannon Sharp chiming in. We got some sound bites from him later that are absolutely precious. And we got some stuff that Colin Coward said as well. But up next, we're going to talk hockey, which is the first preference. You can make it a hockey show if you call. We're going to talk to a senior writer from NHL.com, 2-0, Sean Rourke. He loves metal. He knows hockey. And we're going to talk Penguins Islanders as well as some of the other uh, playoff series. Uh, And I'll tell you what, one one I want to talk about, Bob Toronto, because I don't think Toronto's going to know what hit him. I'm Mark Madden, 105.9 X. This is Sidney Crosby of the Pittsburgh Penguins. You're listening to Mark Madden and the best hockey talk on 105.9 The X. Joining me now is the senior writer and director of editorial for NHL.com. And he's one of our favorite metalheads as well. We welcome Sean Rourke. Sean, uh, welcome back. It's been too long. And boy, what a playoff this figures to be. Uh, the Islanders finished ahead of the Penguins. But does anyone feel like the Islanders are favorites? Because I don't. No, I, I don't know many people that do. I know that you know we did we did our predictions in the office. We had fifteen people do them. Um, the majority certainly picked the Penguins. I picked the Penguins. I, I just you know I, I feel like in a seven game series that that skills going to win out over structure um, more times than not, and, and that's kind of what I see this series as is. You know, the, the team that has the skill and the experience of having gone deep in the playoffs numerous times against a team that's very well structured. You know, it's basically the same structure that the Capitals had last year um, and won the Cup and beat the Penguins. But uh, I, I would be hard-pressed to say that this Islander team is as talented as that Capitals team was. Uh, I think it's fair to say that for sure. And my only question is if the Penguins are going to be patient enough to break the Islanders down, Sean. Because when the Penguins aren't patient in a situation like this, they make mistakes as witnessed by 15 shorthanded goals allowed. Yeah, and it's it, look, it's not going to be easy. I think this is going to be a seven-game series. I think going in, even as experienced a team as the Penguins are, I think going into uh, Nassau Coliseum for the first two games is going to be a challenge uh, for anybody. That place is going to be loud. I'm so excited to be there tomorrow to actually cover game one. You know, there hasn't been a playoff game there as long as I can remember, probably as long as they haven't had a home playoff game there since before I moved to the New York area, which was in 1990. So, um, 
they're certainly going to be ready to to rock and roll there. So, um, but yeah, no, obviously patience is is going to be key. Um, you know, Robin Lehner, who's likely going to be the starter, has had a great year, um, and you're going to have to be you're going to have to be willing to accept that you know he's going to stop some goals in the in the confidence he has now um, that you think you might have had. But you, you just, like I said, I, I just think in the end that skill is going to outlast the structure, especially you know I. I don't know that I would even put this the defense that the Islanders have in the top four or five um, talent level with with what the Penguins have run across in the last couple of years. Now you mentioned uh, Laner, and and certainly their goaltenders are beneficiaries of their system, but they're stopping some pucks too. Well, the Islanders, oh, they are. Well, the they Islanders are. rotate the goalie, Sean, because that's what it seems like right now. Reading between the lines, talk about their goaltending. Yeah, look, they have two great goaltenders. They've almost alternated uh, equal number of games. I, I think Laner's had uh, two more. Um, they've allowed the least amount of goals, won the Jennings Trophy. Uh, Robin Laner has played, I think, 45 games, and he's allowed 93 goals. So, I mean, that tells you about all you need to know about him. Um, and, and look, Barry Trotz isn't, isn't afraid to switch uh, switch things up. We had a story, uh, Kevin Woodley, one of our correspondents, that's a, kind of a goaltending guru, did a story last week week uh, on trots and and how he handles his goaltenders right and you think about last year he started the playoffs with Grubauer and not Holpe because Holpe wasn't playing well um the the Capitals lost both those games and then they came back to Holpe and they were able to save that series so he has no fear in doing that and when you look back when he was in the when he was in the AHL he went to uh he went to the called the cup final um, and he played one goaltender for two series because he liked the style of his goaltender against the teams he was playing, won both those series, and then switched and went to Ron Tugnut for the next two series and got him to Game 7 of the of the Calder Cup Final before he lost to John Tortorella, who was coaching, uh, who was coaching the other team at that point. So this guy has no fear in switching goalies when his heart tells him to do it. I don't even think it's a statistical thing. I think it's literally when he feels they need to be switched, he'll switch them. Now, uh, we talked about structure a lot, and the Islanders have it, but the Penguins have several players who can take a game over. Can anybody do that for the Islanders, Sean? And doesn't that need to happen at some point in the series for any team to win a best of seven? Uh, that's that's kind of what I'm basing my prediction on. I, I think you do need that person who, when things are equal, can just go out and, and take a game over. Like, look, you look at the last game that the, the Penguins played in the regular season, they needed to win to not fall into the wild card. And who takes it over when it needs to be taken over? It was Sid, right? He scores that huge goal that you need when everything looked bleak and it looked like it was going to be a series against the Capitals. I mean, as a Penguin fan, are you ever sitting there saying, oh, my God, nobody can save this for us? I, I think you're saying <laughs> Sid can do it, Malkin can do it, Latang can do it, Kessel can do it, and, and then there's always another guy, you know, whether it's Bukestad or, or McCann or whoever it's going to be that is kind of that wild card that seems to come out every year for them because, you know, so much attention is paid to those other guys. For to answer your question, for the Islanders, like I, you know, I, I really like Matthew Barzell, and I think he can, to a degree, take over a game. He hasn't done it as much this year as he did his his first year, and I think teams have paid a lot more more attention to him. But look, this is a team that doesn't have a thirty goal scorer on it. Um, Andrew Ladd is 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 the the high scorer, right? Uh, not I'm sorry, not Andrew Ladd. Um, well, Andrew Ladd's the top goal scorer. Barzal leads in points. Yeah, yeah. So Andrew Ladd has has twenty. Oh wait, goals. I'm sorry, uh, Anders Lee. 
Anders Lee, exactly. I knew it wasn't Andrew Ladd. He, he's out. <laughs> Anders Lee has 28 goals, right? He's a, he's a nice he's a nice forward, and you know he, he's going to cause some problems. He's good around the net, but when your leading scorer has 28 goals, and again, you know, you're sitting there and you're like, man, we need a goal. Who's going to be that guy for the Islanders? I'm not sure who it is. We're talking to uh, Sean Rourke from NHL.com here on the Mark Madden Show. Sean, I, I want to talk about Toronto and Boston because. That's potentially the best first-round series, and I got Boston. I I like the Leafs up front, but in the back, I don't think they're quite ready for prime time. What say you? No, I, I think I think you've nailed it as far as what their defense is going to have to do and and probably can't do against Boston. I, I think you know Boston's going to present a huge matchup problem. Um, you know they they have four lines that can play well that can score. The other thing I like about Boston is that you know they're a heavy team and and look it, it's not like it used to be in the playoffs where big physical teams had the advantage. But there is still something in a seven game series when when you can play the game the right way, you can play the game the way it needs to be played now, and you can still you know really wear on another team. And I I think the Bruins with their forecheck and and some of the the fast but yet heavy hitters that they have are you know really going to put that blue line under duress and then the other thing is look Freddie Anderson's been great all year for them but he was dinged up towards the end of the year and and I'm curious to see you know what his form looks like as they go into the playoffs Toronto's had a great year they have some guys up front you know we talk about people that can take a series over and, and you're talking Tavares you know you're talking Marner who I think gets a little bit lost on that team that's how good it is you're talking Matthews you you know you have Riley on the blue line who's a Norris Trophy contender um, so they have those guys but Boston answers with the same guys like I would argue that Boston has the best top line in, in all of hockey right now with Bergeron as the best 200 foot player in the same in the same conversation with Crosby this year and has been better than him 200 feet in previous years and then you know Marshan's got to 100 points and and Pasternak coming back from his thumb being injured has been red hot and is to me one of the elite goal scorers in the league. Uh, I think Washington is going to pulverize Carolina <laughs> and I think Tampa might do the same to Columbus. What's your take on those series? And boy. If those go like four or five games, Washington-Tampa will benefit greatly uh, moving to the second round, won't they? Yeah, no, for sure. I think any time you can get rest, you know, you, you, you're going to help yourself out. I, I'm not as sold on the fact that Washington's going to pulverize Carolina, um, only because I think that, A, Washington is, it can be traditionally a slow starter. They were last That's year true. against That's Columbus. That's true. I'm sorry? That's true. Yeah. So, and then if they start slow and you get out of there at one-one, right? You go back to Carolina, and that place is going to be insane, right? I I've been there for both Stanley Cup Finals that they've had there, and it is one of the loudest buildings I've ever been in. And you know, people that haven't been there can poo-poo it and say that you know people are biased. But when that team's playing well and the people are engaged, and you go into that arena, it is loud. It is intimidating. It's like Vegas was last uh, last year. Um, you know, it's like the Shark Tank was a couple of years ago when the Penguins played. It's like the it's like uh, where the Penguins play now, right? I mean, it's just it's just a loud, crazy building. And then the other wild card is Carolina has Justin Williams, and he'll he'll make any series almost on his own six or seven games. So uh, I think it's going to be a longer series than a lot of people think. Uh, is anybody any good out west, Sean? Uh, because I'm picking Vegas just based on. Flurry having the hot hand, but they have a tough first round series against San Jose. 
Well, they do. If San Jose can find any kind of goaltending, right? Like, look, San Jose. Nobody's controlled play better than San Jose, and they've been without. They've been out with Eric Carlson for a long period of time here, and but still, even without him, they've controlled the puck better than any team in the league statistically. But their goaltending has been the worst in the league statistically. So, you know, a lot of the good stuff that they're able to do goes unnoticed because they're not getting the the big save when they need to get it. Um, they're entering the playoffs in a, in a downward spiral. You know, you hope that they could kind of flip the switch. Eric Carlson will help a little bit, and their goaltending can reset. You know, and, and then what what happens with Flurry? He was out for. You you know, seven or eight games injured before he came back right at the end of the season. Um, if you ask me if anybody's good out west, I, I picked Nashville to play the, the Lightning in, in the Stanley Cup final. Um, I love the way they're playing. I think they have the deepest defense. Uh, unlike last year, uh, Pekka Rene is going into the playoffs red hot. He's, you know, seven of his last eight games, he's given up less than two goals. Um, I, I really like the way that they're playing, and, and they have that same core from last year that was kind of disappointed that they lost to Winnipeg in what I thought should have been the Western Conference Final because they were the two best teams last year, and, and that was an all-timer series. So um, I, I think I think Nashville might be the best team coming out of the West. Now, I think Nikita Kucherov has to be MVP. I mean, he got all the points, and they got a lot of points too. But, boy, Sean, I'm impressed even more than usual by Crosby this year. He's the only 100-point guy that plays 200 feet. Yeah, no, I I think this has been one of his better years just because, you know, he has improved defensively. And the thing I love about Sidney Crosby is it's always that way, right? It's always he critically looks at his game and he says, you know, what's missing? What can make me a better player? He never rests on his laurels. And he decided this year that it was going to be, you know, his defense was going to be better. A couple of years ago, it was face-offs. A couple of years before that, he wasn't shooting as much as he thought he should. And, he, you know, he went out and set, set a personal high for goals like I, he just he drives himself to be better and better like I said I, I would put Patrice Bergeron in that same equation he didn't have as many points he was also injured for part of this year um, but this is the best I've seen Sidney Crosby play defensively um, and I look I would put him in the I'd put him in the MVP conversation I, I don't think anybody beats Kucherov I mean he led a team he scored more points than anybody scored since 2000 Joe Thornton was at 125 he passed that and and he led a team that was historically good. I mean, the only two teams have won 62 or more games and and other than the Lightning. So everything that the Lightning did was historically good, and he was at the forefront of all of it. Now, you said you got Nashville and Tampa in the final. What's your upset special in the first round? I got Colorado over Calgary. I think Colorado's getting healthy at the right time, and they got the hot goalie. Who's your upset pick out of the first round series? See, I, I don't. Unfortunately, this year I went a lot of a uh, lot of chalk picks. Um, I guess the biggest upsets would be the two threes, right? In each each conference, um, you know, I I have the Penguins uh, beating the Islanders, but we both agree that that's not really. Um, an upset per se, uh, and I have the Blues beating the Jets. I, I just I don't like the way the Jets have come into the playoffs. Hopefully, with uh, with their defense getting healthy, it's a little bit of a different story. But you can't you can't dismiss what the Blues did uh, to get into the playoffs anymore. It's too big a sample size. Same thing for their goalie in Biddington. It, it's too big a sample size to to completely ignore. So I, I guess those are it. And I'll tell you one thing. You know, Colorado might beat Calgary. I didn't pick it that way, but that that series is going to 
to be insanely fast. It'll be the fastest series in the first round. There are so many guys on both those teams that can skate and, and really go at it. If Colorado can get healthy, if they get Ranton back and he can play anywhere near where they need him to play, they'll certainly, they'll certainly give Calgary all it can handle. Okay, before we let you go, i got to bounce a little metal off you. What's your take on Ghost? I've become a Ghost fanatic. They sound like a supersonic blue oyster cult to me. Yeah, no, dude. I've been I've been on the ghost on the ghost bandwagon from the very beginning. Our our mutual friend Brian Slagle right. um, turned me on to him. He was the guy that signed them originally. Um, that first album came out about five six years ago. Um, kind of an underground sensation, and since then, you know, they're signed to a major label now. And uh, just recently, they played uh, Barclays Center and sold it out, which is unheard of for for that level of music. So um, I, I've been down with those guys ever since their first album, which. I don't know if you've gone all the way back to listen to Oh, yeah, to I have it, now, but, yeah. But that first, I think that first album is still the best one that they've done. Yeah, they've become a little more polished recently, but I, I don't think they have a bad album, and, and, and that says an, an awful lot about a group that's come so far so fast. And Boy, what about Slagle? What an ear for talent that guy has. I, I'm amazed by him more and more <laughs> all the time. Oh man! And once you once you understand the history of it and and all the bands he signed and and everything that he's done, and like it's unbelievable. Like you go back to the early days of his label, Metal Blade Records, and he had the Foo Fighters. Like that's crazy. <laughs> that that is crazy. He, he's he's still doing hockey too, right? He's still around, right? Oh yeah, yeah. He's uh, I know he goes to a lot of the Vegas games and and he usually makes a few pilgrimages around during during the playoffs to catch some games. Um, one of the biggest hockey fans I know. Well, nothing mixes like hockey and metal. Sean, great stuff as always. I appreciate the time, and we'll see you down the road, I'm sure. All right, man. Hopefully we'll see you in Pittsburgh soon. I can't wait for the game tomorrow on the island. It's going to be crazy. Crazy indeed. That's Sean Rourke, senior writer for NHL.com. Always great stuff from him. Don't forget we have uh, Penguins coach Mike Sullivan at 515. It's been confirmed. And we got Stan Saver next hour. I'm Mark Madden, 105.9. Now the super genius, Mark Madden. That's correct. It's organized chaos. Super genius. I just diddled my lips on live radio for 30 seconds, and you all listen. VX at 105.9. Ola of Liverpool is now in a Pepsi commercial with Lionel Messi. That's pretty cool. Although Mo did miss an empty net in the first half, but no harm done. 2-0 over Porto at the half in Champions League. Antonio Brown is now on Twitter blaming the media. Hashtag call God. And as I just tweeted to AB, hashtag call God. Hey, AB, even God thinks you're a punk-ass bitch. And God does. God knows what's up. No quarter. Brought to you by CW Electrical Services. Make the switch at CWElectricalServices.com. And by the Ford King. Richard Bazzi, Schultz, Ford, and Wexford, and Harmerville. Let's get the hockey talk going. That's what I want to discuss. We got some more AB son guys taking the task. And really, AB's not public enemy number one. The football media is against them. The fans are against them. Pittsburgh's against them. The stuff AB's done, sticking the knife in Juju uh, the last couple days. It's because he doesn't want Pittsburgh to ever get over him leaving. But the best thing that could happen for Pittsburgh and for the Steelers and for Juju is for that punk-ass bitch to get out of town. I saw 
Was it James Conner tweeted or Lev Bell tweeted that, hey, we're good, referring to Conner and Bell? I thought it was kind of funny they hastened to, to point that out. Uh, Aaron Rodgers did an interview where he denied everything in that Bleacher Report story. He said he loves Mike McCarthy. Okay, but why'd you get him fired? Rodgers called the article a smear attack by, quote, mostly irrelevant bitter players, unquote, with agendas. Rodgers called the story, quote, outright lies presented as fact, unquote. And okay, what else is he going to say? But the guy who wrote the story has covered the Packers for years. So I don't think it's all outright lies. You know who stopped by my office today to visit Sean McDowell, who I share my office with? I got to meet for the first time in person Herschel, who is a radio legend on DVE. Uh, That's a real big deal for me, real big. And Herschel said he likes what I'm doing, and that means a lot because Herschel was a big, big timer, a rock and roll cool guy. Speaking of rock and roll, Ronnie James Dio is back on tour. Yeah, he's dead, but you heard me. He's back on tour. His B-team band, Dio Disciples, are doing a U.S. tour this summer and will utilize a hologram of Ronnie. I'm going to pass, even though it has his wife's approval. I'm a fan, and Ronnie was a friend. He was on this show many times, and this is just a bit creepy. Let Ripper Owens sing the songs. That's a less creepy tribute. Better yet, go see The Last in Line. That's the A-Team Dio band. They're at Jurgles, I think, the first Monday in May. And they got a guy named Andrew Freeman who just takes those songs and rips them up. He is awesome. 412-333-9939. Mike Sullivan shuffled lines today at practice. I will look at how those will affect what the Penguins do in Game 1. That's just 30 seconds away on 105.9 The X.